Hello, welcome to our Thursday special. One of the reasons why I started Thursday special is that I wanted a space to be able to discuss the other things that I would like. I'm just going to start off by saying and just making it perfectly clear that I am Team Marvel. I am Team Marvel today, yesterday, last week, in the future. Yes. Okay, we're going to be talking about Suicide Squad. I just want to put a disclaimer in there. There will be spoilers. If you haven't watched Suicide Squad and you don't want any spoilers, then please, well, don't switch off now. I mean, still listen, because I'm going to go into a bit of history about Marvel and DC. Please stick around, but just know that towards the end of this episode, there will be spoilers. You might want to pause, go and watch the film, then come back and then see if our thoughts are aligned. Okay, I haven't actually been to the cinema since, or I hadn't at this point, been to the cinema since the pandemic. One of the things I used to enjoy doing prior to the pandemic, I actually really enjoy going to the cinema. How I will start things off is assuming that those who are listening are drawn to the fact that it's Suicide Squad and they've heard something about it, but not necessarily understanding and knowing that it's a DC comic. And when people are having this battle between DC and, and Marvel, people who aren't really diehard fans would not necessarily understand. The Suicide Squad is a fictional, what we call anti-hero team. I'll explain what that means in a bit. It's an anti-hero team that is, has, was originally published by DC Comics. And the first Suicide Squad came out in 1959. And then there was a more modern version, which was in 1987. An anti-hero is a central character. It's usually like the main character of a um, film or a comic. And it's a character that lacks the characteristics that an audience would associate with a conventional hero. Anti-heroes tend to be ambiguous protagonists. So they tend to have like complex characters and they also have a dark side. And Suicide Squad is a team that's made up of all these types of anti-heroes or these, these types of characters which are called anti-heroes. Now I'm going to go into Marvel versus DC. One thing I will say is that a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of overlap between Marvel and DC in terms of the writers, the, the illustrators, the founder. It's, it's very, you know, there's a lot of overlap, but there are some differences between the two comics that we'll, I'll talk about in a bit. DC Comics first began in 1934 and Marvel started in 1939. I can't help it, we're going to talk about Marvel first. Okay, Marvel was started in 1939 and it was actually initially known as Timely Comics. And then in 1951, it became known as Atlantis Comics. And then in 1961, that's when they launched... Um, all these comics with like superhero titles like the Fantastic Four and this was created by Stan Lee and a whole bunch of other people. Marvel have well-known superhero characters, Spider-Man, there's Iron Man, Captain America, all these names that you'd know of, you know, Ghost Rider. A lot of people think Ghost Rider is DC Comics but Ghost Rider is actually Marvel. There are many X-Men, Fantastic Four, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, I could go on forever. DC Comics started out under the name National Allied Publications in 1934. And it was actually, they came about 
as a result of the merging between the National Allied Publications and Detective Comics Inc. And along with all, all uh, with those two, along with the affiliated All American Publications. At that time, in 1934, around then, it, it was named National Comics, but people often called it DC due to the logo on the comic covers and also due to the popularity of a series that they had called Detective Comics. The company still maintained their old name until 1977 and then they changed officially to DC Comics. The majority of DC Comics take place within their fictional DC universe and that's where you've got a lot of characters such as that you well-known characters, an iconic character such as Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, many. And it's just important to note that both Marvel and DC Comics began during the 1930s, around World War II. And World War II had an extreme impact, and this is reflected in both comics. They did have a similar theme of war and humour. And the idea was that, you know, during the depressive wartime, people needed something to lighten up their their day. Why not a comic? And then both Marvel and DC Comics released fun and often like quirky and bizarre issues, you know, storylines to kind of help with this. And then you have comics that have a recurring war theme within the superheroes, particularly particularly Captain America in Marvel. That's got a very strong war theme and Superman in DC Comics. But then after the war, both publishers changed their focus during 1960s. From the beginning, between Marvel and DC, they're totally, they have totally distinct characters. DC Comics, a lot of the characters are, um, they're characters that they're taken for granted, but they also could be, you know, they have a power of a god. For example, Superman, he's a super, super powerful Kryptonian. Wonder Woman, the daughter of Zeus, who has the divine power of the god of war. And there are quite a few, but there are exceptions with the DC portfolio. For example, Batman, well-known mortal, pure mortal, but yet can stand amongst the rank of other superheroes. Marvel characters, and I, and I, I will explain why I was always so into Marvel. Marvel characters, uh, they were they feature more realistic characters that can be partially explained by science, and that is why I was into Marvel growing up. I still to this day feel like my 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 powers can kick, could kick in at any point. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for those. Anyway, but yeah, with Marvel, the characters you could explain their powers with science marvel characters often have like a tragic trade for their powers for example you've got the x-men mutants they have so much power but yet they're resented by society some iconic marvel characters we've talked about captain america he's a superhuman he was a normal soldier then instilled in a super soldier program and then becomes a superhuman spider-man he got bit by a radioactive spider, but Spider-Man is a normal college or high school student. The Hulk, well-known, exposed to gamma rays, which results in him becoming very green and angry. They also have the exception of these godlike characters. You've got Thor, who is son of Asgard, and these are not like typical characters for Marvel. The Suicide Squad is also known as Task Force X. And they're a team of incarcerated supervillains who have to undertake a high-risk operation. It's usually a secret mission. The members of the Suicide Squad have to participate either in order for parole, early release, or reduced prison sentence, or even, you know, just privileges such as seeing members of their family. 
the thing to know of the Suicide Squad is that A, the missions that they go on are very, well, they, as they say in the various films, it's like, oh, this is suicide, what you're trying to do. And they're like, yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of our thing. Regardless of their abilities or talent, every member of the team is expendable. And it's very interesting. It's a very interesting um, narrative and the way it's portrayed in all the films. You almost, you know, you're watching it thinking, no, 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 they're not going to kill off that main character. They've got not only um, the actors, but the characters themselves. But um, yeah, just press the button, they're killed off. It's very, very interesting. As I said, regardless of their abilities or talent, each member is expendable and it's not expected that many of them will return. And the other thing is that they're all fitted with explosive devices in their neck to ensure that they're obedient. It's a little bit messed up. What's interesting about this film for me is that the director, James Gunn, and he directed Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, and I believe the sequel, and they're both Marvel films. Guardians of the Galaxy is this collection of different superheroes and they have their missions and so forth. So I can see how he would have been best placed to bring together a collection of very strong characters, as well as the actors themselves. You've got a lot of very famous people. And how do you bring together a film that A, gives you enough overview of what's going on so you can enjoy it, but then little snippets. So I'm not saying that the reason why I enjoy this film is because of the Marvel, because of the potential Marvel influence, but I, I wouldn't say it is. I think it was actually a really good film. Compared to the first one, it's interesting because I've spoken to a few people about this and there are a lot of people who are like, well, the, they slept in the first one and this and the other. I think it's just different. It's very different because for me, DC films have a very different, they're just, yeah, they just have a different way about them that I think put people off to some way. This is a warning. Spoilers are about to start. So pause uh, the podcast now, go and watch the film, come back, let me know if you agree or not with what I've said. I thought the opening scene was really good. Before, when the film would come out, I would be the first to watch all the trailers. I might even read the plot and all that stuff. I would do a lot of stuff beforehand. And especially if it's a comic film, I would want to understand the characters a lot more. By the time I'm watching the film, it's not there aren't really many surprises per se, but it's just like, oh, this is really cool. Whereas this time around, I decided I'm, I was just going to go in blind other than just watching the first film again. I was just going to go in blind and see you know, yeah, just see how, how it went. So I didn't know much about, I'd seen a couple of trailers to be fair, but the trailers didn't really give much away for me because I don't really know a lot about DC Comics. The opening scene is interesting because you see all these, a lot of famous faces. So it's very easy to assume that they are all going to be part of the film, you know, because they're all very popular people, popular actors and actresses. And yeah, I was just, okay, cool, here we go. And majority of them were killed off apart from Harley Quinn, or so we thought. And I thought it was really good how they were able to blend humor, the action. It was great. So I would say that for me, the opening scene, there were, yeah, opening few scenes actually, it's probably an opening segment, I should say. It was, I thought it was really good, got me hooked. The twist where you realize that the team that we've just seen and has all been killed off is actually not the main team. They were the decoys. It goes back to how each member of, of the team is expendable because 
you know, there were main characters, really all talented anti-heroes, and yet every single one of them was killed off, apart from Harley Finn. So that was quite interesting. Then, so Idris Alba is like the leader of the team that ends up, the, the actual team that they hope to stay alive. And as I've had discussions with people where they said, oh, it felt to some extent that Idris Elba's character, who's called Bloodsport, was just simply a replacement of Will Smith's character called Deadshot in this new film. So from the from the last film, Will Smith's character, Deadshot, he can he's got he's got great accuracy and can shoot everything. And similar to Bloodsport, so he's got great accuracy. He's very good with various different types of guns and and weapons. And their backstories, both of them have a, apart from, well, they both of them have a daughter, but Will Smith's um, daughter actually seems to like him and he's in the child's life, whereas Idris Elba's daughter doesn't really seem to like him and he hasn't really been present in her in her life. So that was quite interesting. But I thought Idris is, I'm a big fan of Idris Elba anyway, and I thought he was very good. The, the scene, so his daughter does something I think she steals something and then comes to see him in prison and he's annoyed that she's got caught stealing it's Amanda Waller who is the director of the Suicide Squad and this character is played by Viola Davis and there's a scene where Idris Alba is, is confronting her because his daughter so Amanda Waller has basically said that if the daughter if Idris Alba's character doesn't come on the suicide mission the Suicide Squad mission then her daughter could have a high sentence and be put into an adult prison as opposed to like juvenile prison and there's this really intense scene where Idris Alba gets a pen and bring like you know it's like he tries to attack her but he has control and he puts the the pen to her throat and it's just the intense I love Viola Davis but even the intensity I was like oh my gosh it was a very intense scene so seeing them together on screen was really really intense and it was really good but Viola Davis is her character is just ruthless like from the first film you see how she just kills the whole team because she was like that it was a they're not even meant to know about the mission there's still that ruthlessness is there but it was interesting because in this film they seem to try to so she was always intense there was humor I mean even in her intensity she's funny and everything just really good acting but then it was more around the characters and the the role the people around her and how there was like some comedic moments there which is really interesting and it, it was that sort of thing of you know there's a point in the film where she's making a decision and she's super ruthless her character and then her team are not you know they're like are you really gonna kill this person off are you really gonna do this to this person's daughter that gosh that seems a bit you know seems a bit harsh and then they they do something and make a decision I would have liked more backstory for the polka dot man anybody listening who like actually there was a lot of information about the character and that is true there was a backstory given but I found they brushed over the whole he's got an alien virus in him or something manifest and he has to release the virus every so often I mean that I would have liked to know more about that character uh Peacemaker that was played by John Cena John Cena is very funny I like him as an actor I used to watch him with wrestling WWE that's quite good I think it's an interesting character I've I've heard that there's likely to be um, a peacemaker film like solo peacemaker film but 
you know, let's see, Rick Flagg, who Rick Flagg before was like the person who leads. So whilst Amanda Waller is the director and oversees everything and is in the safety of wherever telling them what to do, Rick Flagg is actually on the ground with the team leading everyone telling them what to do, which is, is very good. I preferred Rick Flagg in this film than the first film. He seemed more human. He seemed like he was more willing to be part of the team, not just leading the team or maybe managing the team. I, I think he led the team a lot more and was a bit more, he was softer. His character was softer in this film, which was really good. Then there's the shark, the King Shark Nanel character, which was hilarious, really good comedic moments. It was actually voiced by Sylvester Stallone, which I did not know, but then now thinking back, it kind of makes sense. The character that I liked the backstory, but I didn't like their powers, was Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher, um, knows how to manipulate rats <laughs> hence the name but it was a bit I, I didn't really like that character <laughs> like I, I'm not squeamish about mice or anything but it was just a bit or well, rats but I just I just didn't like didn't like it the superpower but the character themselves was fine uh, and I'm just gonna say weasel I was gonna leave it there hilarious so there are post credit scenes and this is the first Marvel film that has a post, I'm oh, sorry, you see, I even said it. This is the first DC film that has post-credit scenes. And at this point, they are copying Marvel at this point, but it's fine, I, I won't be too bitter. But I just thought, I mean, to be fair, the film, I think there were two, there are two post-credit scenes. So if you haven't seen them, go back to the cinema and, and watch it. But there are two post-credit scenes. One is around Weasel, which is funny, and then, the other is something that gives it something away around what could be the next film or if they're going to make this, you know, like a series. So then there's Suicide Squad 3. I don't know. So it could be quite interesting. Overall, I did enjoy the film. I would give it, there were some cheesy parts. Harley Quinn, I haven't spoken a lot about Harley Quinn, her character. I like Margot Robbie as an actress. Again, very good actress. She's, I know a lot of people are into the Harley Quinn character. There's a scene that I thought was hilarious where she shoots somebody because of the red flags, not the fact that this person has taken over the country and this and the other. No, it's because of the red flags for relationships. And she's said she was committed to not dating toxic people. I thought that was really hilarious. But anyway, so to conclude, I thought it was really good. I actually enjoyed the film and I'm not going to give it five stars. The reason why I'm not going to give it five stars is because and please don't think it's because it's not Marvel no there were some points in the film where I did dip out a bit the scene attacking Project Starfish I feel like they could have I feel like could have been tightened a bit better I would say that from when they met Project Starfish from that scene and then also the thinker who's the lead scientist of Project Starfish I feel that when we met that character and then also when it got to the sort of I guess one of the biggest the big action parts of the film I just felt like that could have been tighter and I felt we could have had maybe a little bit more of a backstory about Project Starfish I feel like I'm asking a lot for backstory and again that could purely be because I don't really know the character as I mentioned I'm not really I don't really know much about DC Comics but I just felt that they could have gone into a bit more depth into Project Starfish other than okay yes it was discovered in space and then the starfish at the end says oh you know I just wanted to float around in space I just felt that I needed a bit more so I would say okay maybe I'll say four and a half stars out of five 
Yes. Okay. I'll say that. That was my review. I did really enjoy it. It was great to go to the cinema first time in however long. So that was fun. What did you think? Have you seen Suicide Squad? Let me know your thoughts. I'm very open to any recommendations that people might have. You can send me an email info at mondayscience.podcast.com or you can just send send us a dm on our social media platforms also let me know if there are any other films you'd like me to review you'd like to get my thoughts on um, the next monday science episode next monday and the 30th is going to be a review on netflix's the chair you've been listening to the monday science podcast a weekly show bringing you the latest research and news in science technology medicine and health we hope you've gotten some useful and thought-provoking info from the show and we hope you had fun along the way we know we did we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on our website at www.mondayscience shoot us an email at info at mondayscience Find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Monday Science. And access episode summaries at mondayscience.medium.com. See you next week on the Monday Science Podcast.